Hey everyone, I'm Pastor Matt Henderson, and today we'll be answering your relationship questions. You are watching Relationship Support. At Jill Taylor asks, what are some narcissistic red flags to look out for at the beginning of a relationship? Well, Jill, why don't you go watch the movie Zoolander, and if anything resonates at all, run. Cole Trickle says, is it a red flag my girlfriend has photos of Channing Tatum all over her bathroom? Cole, my question to you is, do you look like Channing Tatum? Because if not, then there's a red flag there, and you should probably run. Also, is she over the age of 13? At Carolina Reaper asks, my new girlfriend has a fear of Tide Pods. Is that a red flag? This is a red flag, but not for the reason that you may think it is. You see, it's likely that she has a fear of Tide Pods only to avoid doing the laundry. At Peter Quinn asks, should I be concerned my girlfriend has two phones? Well, Peter, in my experience, the only two people who ever have two phones are drug dealers and cheaters. If she has a burner phone and isn't dealing that devil's lettuce, then you've got a major problem in your relationship. Red flag. At Shake It Off 88 asks, this guy like keeps asking what my zodiac sign is. Should I be concerned? At Shake It Off 88, this is a major red flag. What seems harmless in a zo asking a zodiac sign will likely turn into 12 years down the road, drinking poison with 11 of his best friends to ascend yourself on a comet passing by Earth. That is a red flag. And this has been Relationship Support. So if you only knew the, the questions that ended up on the cutting room floor, what, what people don't know is our creative team just launched in and started asking Pastor Matt. We, we sent all those questions. He didn't have them ahead of time. And there were a bunch of questions. And so he was just firing off answers, uh, most of which were very naughty. So we had to like cut them all out. So this is what we ended up with after all the naughty ones were cut on the cutting room floor. But they might make their way out sometime. They just aren't appropriate for a Sunday morning audience, but hysterical they are. Well, hey, welcome. I am so glad for all of you that are here in the room today and everyone that is watching uh, live stream. We've got California, Florida, Indiana, West Virginia, Virginia, Colorado. We're so glad that you are tuning in today and would love for you to come and join us the next time that you are in the Charlotte area. Well, we are in a series called Red Flags, and today uh, what I'm gonna focus on is the red flags that we overlook. The red flags that, you know, if, if you are on the other end of things, you go, you know, I saw that, but... Many a times we do that, and I'm going to give you the reasons why we do that. But first, I wanted to tell you a story that I read um, that came out of Texas, and it was a little boy who went in, a young boy, to use the bathroom. And while he was in the bathroom, he saw a rattlesnake in the toilet. Big red flag for me. Don't like snakes in my toilet. No, thank you. So they called the snake people to come in and remove the rattlesnake and come to find out when they were there, there were 24 more rattlesnakes underneath the house. Somebody say red flag. You see, here's the thing about a red flag. If you miss it or you ignore it or you don't pay attention to it, there's probably way more under the surface where that came from that needs attention. Just because we ignore it doesn't mean it goes away. Well, what even is a red flag? A red flag is a signal or a sign that indicates that danger or something is lurking, something's off. Uh, they are warning signs. And a red flag says, pay attention now or pay up later. <laughs> Dr. John Gottman, who is a renowned psychologist, he focuses uh, on statistics. And in particular, his work mainly focuses on divorce prediction and marital stability through relationship analysis. 
And he will tell you, he, all he has to do is meet with a couple for 15 minutes and he has a 94% accuracy of determining if that couple would make it after just 15 minutes of meeting with them. 50% of first marriages end in divorce and 78% of second marriages end in divorce. And I don't know about you, but I do not wanna be part of those statistics. So I think it might be a good idea that we pay attention to red flags. Now, if those are part of your story. We are not here to beat you up today. Uh, we welcome everyone. We love everyone. But here at Freedom House, we will call everyone higher. So let's try to focus in and maybe find out where things we let through the gate before. Let's close the gate. Does that sound like a good deal? All right. So let's, let's also hone in on this. Dr. John Gottman said this, and this to me is amazing, that he encountered these couples and he could tell you, he said, there is one thing that there is a 99% success rate for if you would do this one thing in your marriage. And it's amazing. You know what it is? I'm not going to tell you. You'll have to find out in a minute because I want you to pay attention. But there's a 99% success rate. So that lets me know that might be something I want to incorporate into my marriage. Because here's the thing. If you are driving a car and you see the red light going off, the red light is saying, pay attention. Now, for many of the women in here, that red light means tell your husband but I have been in a situation before where the red light was going off and I ignored the red light. Ignoring the red light, putting it underneath the proverbial rug does not mean that things fix itself, but many a times we ignore things. No, what it means is, is if you don't have oil in your car because that red light is going off and you didn't pay attention to it, then your engine locks up. Ask me how I know. We can't ignore the red flags. We must pay attention because there's something below the surface that could actually cause harm. Now, I thought what I would do um, is just give you a few things that I consider to be major red flags. This list is by no means exhaustive in any sort of a way, but I just thought I would give you a few red flags. One of the red flags that I would say is, you know, somebody will come up to me in the lobby and they will say, I love this church so much. It's so much better than the last 10 churches that I went to. Red flag. You know what that says to me? That they're doing the church hop. And once you get started, you just can't stop. Don't you be doing that church hop, you know? <laughs> People that hop around and hop around and they think it's giving me a compliment to say, I really like this one compared to the other 10. That's like saying, hey, I really think you would be a great wife because my other 10 didn't work out. Run! That lets me know you got a commitment problem. There's something under the surface there. How about always blaming others, never owning fault? You're always the victim. Nothing ever goes your way. Everybody's out to get you. How about in a relationship, a new relationship where somebody comes on way too strong and way too fast? Uh-uh. They're like love bombing you. Love bombing is when they're just being obsessive and gifts and you're so beautiful. You're so amazing. You're, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we just met here. Slow it down. Slow it down. How about when somebody insults you and you respond to their insults and they tell you that you're just too sensitive? That's called gaslighting. It's they do something inappropriate and you call them out on their inappropriate behavior and they flip it over and make it your fault. That is a big red flag to me. Lying, big red flag to me. I told my kids when they were growing up, I said, you hurt me with the truth, but don't you dare hurt me with a lie. Tell the truth. Another red flag is if someone is controlling or possessive. Mm -mm -mm. How about insecure or needing to constantly be affirmed? 
My husband wrote this one in on my notes, lack of eye contact. (laughs) When somebody, he calls it doing the shifty eyes when you're trying to have a conversation and somebody's like, they can't look you in the eye because they're hiding something. How about when someone exaggerates their accomplishments or people that try to one-up you, you tell them something great that happened in your life and they got to outdo you. You know what I'm talking about, right? How about someone that's prideful or arrogant? unable to be corrected. That is a huge red flag to me because that takes me back to the garden. That takes me back to Lucifer who was kicked out of heaven and sent down uh, onto earth and he's slithering around the garden thinking that he's all that, that he is equal with God. Pride can't hide. When I see pride, I'm, I'm waiting. I know pride comes before fall. And I pay attention when I see pride pop up. How about someone that is emotionally unavailable? Girls, sometimes we, for whatever reason, typically it's a a issue from our childhood, but we want to attach to someone that's emotionally unavailable. Big red flag. I want to talk today from the book of Judges, uh, and I want us to go through and look at the story of Samson. Now, when I say Samson, most of you think of his cohort. Who was? But there was a lot of history before Delilah came on the scene. And I wanna talk about that history because Samson was a judge in Israel. He actually was a very smart man, but he missed a whole lot of red flags. And had he paid attention, he could have kept his standing, but he didn't. And the thing that is difficult is that Samson was actually prophetically spoken uh, by an angel to his mother, who his mother was barren. And the angel came to the mother and said, listen, you are going to have a son, and this son is actually going to defeat the Philistine army. And the Philistines were always at war with Israel. So he was, in essence, going to be their savior. So here's the mother. She's very excited. She loves this. And Samson was the strongest man to ever walk the planet. There were three things because he was a Nazarite, which meant uh, that he was set apart. He had a, a particular devotion that he had to take, a vow he had to keep. And there were three of them, actually in order for him to stay in good standing and be set apart. Now, these three things were very specific to Nazarites. The first was no razor shall touch his head. Everybody say, no haircuts. The second was he will drink no wine. Say, no wine. And the third was he shall not eat anything unclean or go near unclean things, such as dead bodies. Say, nothing unclean. All right, so we know no haircuts, no wine, nothing unclean. Those were part of a vow that he took. What I wanna do is I wanna start reading in Judges chapter 14 about some of Samson's life and things that transpire. And what I want you to do, this is the only time I'm gonna let you shout out in church while I'm preaching, unless it's good job, Pastor P, keep preaching. I want you to shout out the word red flags So let's practice. One, two, three. Great job. So when I am reading this story that happens, I want you to shout out when you see some red flags that are happening. You good with that? All right. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. That's a red flag. We just feel something's itching there. You can just feel something's itching, right? All right. So he went up and told his father and mother saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, go get her for me as a wife. That's a big red flag because she's a Philistine. The Philistines were considered unclean. They were not circumcised. And in the Old Testament, you had to be circumcised. In the New Testament, it's circumcision of the heart. But the whole people group was considered unclean. And the Israelites were to keep themselves separated from the Philistines. The Philistines were actually their enemies. 
It says, then the father and mother said to him, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised, unclean Philistines? They knew it was against the law for him to do what he was doing. And it said, Samson said to his father, get her for me for she pleases me well. Big old red flag that literally translates, she looks right in my own eyes. Huge red flag. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines for at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now, what this is saying is it's not saying that God asked him to go against the laws of Israel and marry a Canaanite uh, who was a Philistine, but that he was going to use this occasion anyway, despite what Samson was doing to bring about his glory. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother, and he came to the vineyards of Timnah. Why? Because where is he not supposed to be? Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. And now what is he holding in his hands? Though he had nothing in his hand, he should have used something, but he did not. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. (laughs) Y'all know you need to be telling your mom and dad what you did. Because they provide accountability. Then he went down and he talked with the woman. And she pleased Samson well. After some time... When he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. And he took some of it in his hands and he went along eating. How many times do we do that and say, oh, I know I'm not supposed to do that, but God obviously provided for me. Look. I know I'm not supposed to be dating her, but I wouldn't have feelings for her if God wouldn't have put them there. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them who also had taken a Nazarite vow. So he's pulling them into his deception. And then they also ate, but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down to the woman and Samson gave a feast there for young men used to do so. So now he is engaged to marry this woman and actually what they would call it is betrothed, kind of like Mary was to Joseph. In other words, on paper they were married, but it wasn't 100% legal until the marriage was consummated, which was a seven-day wedding ceremony. So while the ceremony is happening, Samson decides that he's going to have a little fun with all of the party of his wedding. And he says to them, I I am going to give you a riddle. And if you can solve this riddle, I will go and buy you the finest, most exclusive clothing you have ever seen. And they said, deal. Well, after three days, they couldn't get it. And they came and they started putting pressure on his betrothed. And they said, you go and you find out for us the answer to this riddle. And if you don't do what we are asking, we will burn down your house and burn down the house of your family. And under that pressure, she went to her betrothed husband, Samson, and she said, oh, Samson, please tell me the answer to this riddle. I know you love me, Samson. Tell me this secret. So he tells her. He gives her the answer and she goes and tells the bridal party, which to me is a huge red flag. A, that you have people in your bridal party who want for no good to happen to you and that you are betrothed to someone that would betray you. 
So we know that Samson has to produce all these clothes now because they come back and they go, we know the answer to your riddle, Samson. And he's like, no, you don't. And lo and behold, they do. And he knows immediately that it was her. And the Bible says that he flew off into this rage. He's so angry that he goes out and he starts just slaughtering Philistines. Now, we knew that the plan was Samson was supposed to overtake the enemies. But the way this is all going down is not really the way God had planned it. But how many of you know, because God loves his people so much, even when we go off course, there is a certain tolerance for a certain time. So God is tolerating his disobedience, but he goes out, he still has his strength, and he slaughters a lot of men because he's angry. He's furious. So then it says that he comes back, and the story picks up that he comes back much later. Now, we don't know how much later. The Bible just says, after some time. He comes back and he brings a goat with him because he understands before he is to go and actually consummate his marriage, he has to give a gift, provide a gift to his bride. But because he's been gone so long, he comes back and he's given the goat thinking, you know, he's going to have a fun night, right? And his father says to him, Samson, you disappeared. We didn't know where you were, where you had gone. You've been gone so long, Samson, that we actually gave her to your best man because you disappeared. She's not your wife anymore. You never sealed the deal. And he is mad because he thought he was going to get lucky. There is nothing more angry than a man that thought he was going to get lucky. And so he goes off into this fit, into this rage, and he starts slaughtering more Philistines, just slaughtering them. He's mad. He's angry. And God is using even Samson's failures to help win battles for the Israelites because he loves his people. Now, you would think after this encounter with a woman that Samson would get it straight. But we know just a few verses later, he runs out of the city. He's angry. And it says in 16 verse 1 in Judges, Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. Big old red flag. Samson, what are you doing? You're called of God. You had the anointing on your life. You are a judge in Israel. Why are you ignoring red flag after red flag after red flag? You don't just show up at a hooker's house. There's lots of red flags that you ignored along the way. As Pastor Troy says, it's not the first look that's sin, it's the second. Because sometimes, you know, you see things. And when you see things like David on the roof, you do what's called the bounce. You take your eyes and you go somewhere else. It's the second look that gets you in trouble. And so here he is. He's sleeping with a harlot in Gaza. And the Gazites heard that he was there and they waited for him because they're Philistines. They wanted to destroy him for slaughtering their people. He was an arch enemy, but yet... He kept patronizing with the enemy. Three verses later in Judges 16, chapter 4, it says, After it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sork whose name was Delilah. Three women in. Three women who were not Israelites he was not even supposed to be associating with. And here he is. It says, And the Lord of the Philistines came up to Delilah to entice him and find out where his great strength lies. Men, did you know that women that want to take your strength want to know the secret? And they come in, and, and the thing that if you read in Proverbs, they don't go after just ordinary men. Those women that have a seductive spirit, they go after strong men. 
to take them down, to try to see if their defenses are down. They want to know by what means he may overpower them. How does he have this strength that we may bind and afflict him? And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That is a massive, massive amount of money. So Delilah says to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies. Now, after what I've just been through, with a woman who betrayed me after asking me the secret to a riddle, and you completely betrayed me, my red flags are going to be going off, and I'm like, mm, you're not the right one. The fact that you would even ask me that, and the fact that he wouldn't take a little bit of time, it says, but he loved her. And so he says, okay, okay, well, if you take seven bowstrings, and you tie me up with them, which they were the entrails of animals, dead animals. And he's saying ones that aren't completely dried, they have to still kind of be fresh. And if you tie me with those, it'll take my strength. That's a big old red flag. He's not even supposed to have that near him. And so what does she do? She binds him up with those. Now, when you're binding me, after I just told you this is what causes me to lose my strength, I'm probably going to have a red flag going off. She starts binding him. And then she calls for the Philistines. And they run in and he breaks free. And they say, you need to find out this wasn't it. And so she goes to him, probably over a little pillow talk, and says, Samson, that wasn't the truth. Please tell me. And he says, okay, okay. Seven new ropes. It has to be ropes that no one else has ever touched, been bound with. Seven new ropes. If you tie me up with those, my strength is gone. She begins to tie him up. Would not red flags be going off? I just told you this is what will bring me down, and so this is what you're doing? That's a red flag. She binds him up with these new ropes. She calls for the Philistines, and it says that Samson breaks free. She goes to him, and Samson, you haven't been honest with me. Don't you love me? I thought you cared for me. Tell me. And at this point, it's almost like a game to him, one that he thinks he can't lose. And he says, well, here it is. If you take my hair and you weave it into a loom, my strength leaves my body. So he falls asleep. She weaves his hair into a womb and he wakes up and she's yelling, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. I'm gonna be thinking, you just wove my hair in a, a womb because I told you this is my weakness? The Philistines come and he breaks free. Many of us have been in relationships that exploited our weakness and we stayed in them. No different than what he's doing. She goes to him and she begs and pleads, I thought you loved me. I thought you cared for me. I thought I was your one and only. Who knows, maybe she slipped on a little negligee. Enticing, luring, pressuring him. It says, and it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart. He uncovered his heart to an unsafe person. And he said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And if I am shaven, there my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like every other man. You see, the reason I'm not like every other man is because I made a vow with God. You want to be superhuman? You make a vow with God that you don't back off of and strength will come in your body. 
he begins to tell her. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines saying, come up once more for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistine came up and they brought the money this time because they knew this was it. And she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him And his strength left him. When we continually stop listening to the word of God, we may have gotten by on the coattails of yesterday's manna for a little while. But that sustenance won't be there forever. And here he is with his strength gone. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and he said, I will go out as before at other times and I will shake myself free because I'm used to depending on my own power and my own strength. But he forgot his power and his strength came from the connection that he'd had because he made a vow. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He lost his power and he lost his position as judge because he violated his vows. He ignored every red flag imaginable. He could have picked her up and tossed her across the room. But he bowed his knee. And it's so easy to sit and read a accounting of his life and say, red flag, red flag. But how much harder is it to look at our lives when we're showing up, pulling up outside of a bar we have no business being at, of a woman or a man's house we have no business being at, with our computer locked behind a closed door, looking at things we have no business looking at, deleting search histories, red flag, red flag, red flag that we ignore time after time after time. Ignoring. Why is it that we ignore red flags in our own lives, in relationships? We ignore relational red flags so much whether it's friendships, whether it's a dating relationships, whether they're red flags in our marriage that signal, hey, we need to get some help here. We, are, we have some toxic behavior patterns that we need to unlearn and we need to wave the white flag and go get some help. But we ignore. We ignore our vow that we have made to God. What are the reasons why we ignore red flags? I wanna give you the reasons why we do and I want you to write these down because I want you to remember the next time you feel something going off in you and it's the Holy Spirit trying to quicken to you that something's off. You don't just end up in a hotel room with somebody you're not married to by accident. You don't end up going down roads we go down because we just happen to just land there. We ignored the little things that turned into big things. So why do we ignore red flags? Well, first is, is there's an optimism bias. We just wanna believe the best about everyone, even when they show us different. We wanna believe the best. We just think, oh, those red flags might go away. Maybe there's something I can do to help them because there's good in everyone, you know. Number two, we have attachment or abandonment issues. We have a need to be needed at any cost. We have trauma bonded to someone else because of issues from our childhood. Maybe we fear rejection or wanting to belong, so we attach ourselves to people even when they're unhealthy. Number three reason that we ignore red flags is low self-worth. 
I don't value myself, so I put up with things I should not be putting up with. I don't trust or value my intuition or my gut feelings because of insecurity, so I'm easily manipulated because of insecurity. I just think, well, this is the best I'm gonna get. I can't get any better. Number four, loneliness. We are so lonely and we are so concerned with our time clock running out or our age or if anybody's really gonna come. And so we settle for things that we shouldn't be settling for. We think bad love is better than no love at all and that's a lie. Number five, because of hopefulness or wishful thinking. You know, ignoring red flags because you wanna see the good in someone will cost you later. Do not get into a relationship because you see potential. That is not a reason to get into a relationship or because you think that you can fix them. That means there's some sort of denial coping mechanism going on there that we're not willing to address. Number six, reason we ignore red flags is because of normalized dysfunctional behavior. What does that mean? Well, what that means is that, let's just use this example. Someone screams and yells constantly. And people are saying to you, why do you stay with him? Why are you dealing with that? Why are you letting her do that? Maybe, maybe she just goes ballistic and goes off and maybe hits you. But to you, that seems normal because that's what you watched your mother and father do. And even though it might not be healthy or it might not be normal, it's normalized to you because of your history, because of your past. There's no more shock behavior or shock value because of irrational behaviors. It feels normal. We normalize poor behavior. Number seven is lack of awareness or immaturity. That's why right now you see so many people going after the young people and our children because they're naive. There's an innocence there that gets exploited and we've gotta be paying attention. And it's easy to overlook things sometimes. I realized recently things that I overlooked and they're kind of funny things that I overlooked, but I want you to get the concept of ignoring things or not seeing things doesn't mean they're not there. So Super Bowl Sunday, you know, I'm, I'm making, if you guys have not had my famous sausage dip, you need to make my famous sausage dip. It's in my cookbook out there. But this is what actually got me a spot where I would do shows on NBC and I would have regular spots and go in and cook. I'd get to cook for celebrities and all the stuff. It was super fun. Well, what goes great with this sausage dip is Tostitos. How many of you love some Tostitos? How many times have we seen this logo and never realized until me recently that the two T's are actually two people eating a chip and dipping it in a bowl of salsa. It was there the whole time. I just didn't see it. Or how about this one? I was driving to work the other day and there was a FedEx truck right in front of me. I have seen the FedEx logo a million times, but when I'm following behind it, the first time I saw there's an arrow right here, right in the FedEx logo. I've never seen that before. First time I saw it, but guess what? It was always there. How about this one? How many of you besides Joe Biden love ice cream? <laughs> Baskin Robbins. The B and the R. Baskin Robbins. But Baskin Robbins is known for their 31 flavors. There's a three and a one in there. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean it wasn't there the whole time. Number eight, why we miss red flags is we move too quickly. I always told my children, time is either a healer or a revealer. There is no need to rush. 
A good car salesman knows when he gets you on the line, push you, push you, push you, make the sale, make the sale. Why? Because when you go out and have time to think about what you're, what you're doing, you might not. You might not buy the car while you're not smelling the leather and feeling the new feel and looking at the pinstripe and checking out the wheels. We get all caught up, which is the next one. Number nine, brain hijacking pleasure hormones or infatuation. It's where our hormones overtake common sense, which is why the Bible is so specific. It says, flee youthful lusts. Flee them. Our hormones can kick in and take over. And we almost, in essence, kind of lose control because we don't know how to go back and just slow it down. We don't see the red flag of what's happening. And then the last one, number 10, is being prideful. The reason we don't see red flags is because we're being prideful because we don't want to acknowledge that we missed 10 red flags. If Samson would have acknowledged that this girl was doing the same trick on him, Delilah, as one of his previous relationships, first time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. I get into conversations with people all the time and I'll have girls that'll say, Pastor P, I just don't understand. Like the, the guys, this, I keep getting involved with the same type of guy and they're thinking it's something wrong with them and I'm like, no, darling. You're the only common denominator in that scenario. Why are you attracting that? And I always have them start by looking at their social media. Y'all know what I'm saying. Why? Why do we ignore them? Those 10 reasons. What do we do about it? What's the solution? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. You see, what happens many times is instead of us asking God, we are informing God. You want to be kept from being caught off guard, praying in the Holy Spirit. I can honestly tell you in the 32 years I've been pastoring, when there's been some type of drama with somebody, and listen, we've encountered tens of thousands of people in the last 32 years. I can honestly say not one time was I ever shocked. Now, sometimes I was shocked at the level people took things to. But I pay attention to red flags. Even when I want to see the best, I'm still going to talk about the red flag. I'm still going to bring the flag up because a healthy person is going to take that red flag and they want to turn it into a green flag. And in the end, have a checkered flag. Win this race we are called to. But we've got to be willing to acknowledge but we're only going to know what's coming down the road is if we're listening to the Holy Spirit. Daniel 2, 22, it says, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. And 1 Corinthians 2, 10, it says, but God has shown us these things through the Spirit. The Spirit searches out things, even the deep secrets of God. If you want to know what praying in the Holy Spirit looks like, my husband just wrote a book on it called Under the Influence. I would encourage you, we have it out in the lobby. I would encourage you to go get it. You want to know how to keep things in check in your life? Pray in the Holy Spirit. I always told my children when they were growing up, for those of you that don't know, I'm an empty nester. So 26, 24, and 22 are the ages of my children. And um, my husband and I have two dogs. And praise God, our house is calm and peaceful. <laughs> Love my kids, but I did my dues. I paid my dues. I always told my kids, the Holy Spirit is a snitch. You try to pull something over on me, and he's going to out you. I remember my youngest, who's 22 now, I went to pick her up from Huff High School. My kids went to Huff. 
I went to pick her up, and um, it was after cheerleading practice, and I pulled the car up, and she hopped in. I was like, how was your day? She's like, oh, it was great. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, good. Something just felt wrong to me. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And I tried to ignore it as I was pulling out of the school. And I got down on that, the road where the school still is. And I pulled off over into the gravel off the side of the road. And she's like, what are you doing? I said, what happened today? She goes, what are you talking about? And I said, what happened today? She goes, nothing, mom. Can you just go home? I've just had a long day. I'm hungry. What are you doing? And I thought, am I being like sus? Like what's going on here? Like what? And it didn't go away. So I said to her, I'm not leaving the side of this road. We're gonna sit here on the shoulder of this road for however long it takes for you to tell me what happened today. It wasn't like two seconds later, I skipped school, I'm sorry. (laughs) And she would tell you to this day, the Holy Spirit and I sometimes hadn't had a great relationship because he's such a snitch. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is our helper. We need to be praying in the Holy Spirit. John 16, it says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Praying is what keeps us grounded. When our prayer life gets weak, we get susceptible. Prayer is that green flag. And speaking of prayer, 99% of couples that regularly pray together will not end in divorce. 99%. That's huge, you guys. It's so simple, but often overlooked. So what do we do if we have left ourselves susceptible and we didn't see the red flags and we are sitting with consequences right now of our own doing because we didn't see things we should have? Well, let's finish the story with Samson. It says, then the Philistines took Samson And they put his eyes out and they brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. He's got consequences for his actions. And man, that's not fun when we have to sit in the consequences of our actions. But I love the next verse. It says, however the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Hair grows back. You can recover your strength. No matter how many mess-ups, no matter how many mistakes, no matter how many times you've fallen short, how do we recover? Samson may have lost his sight, but he didn't lose his vision. It dawns on Samson. He remembers where his strength comes from. And in verse 28, it says, Then Samson called to the Lord. There it is. Saying, Oh, Lord God, remember me. I pray. He restored prayer back into his life. Then he said, strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. We know next that what it says is they come and they wanna make a mockery of Samson in the Palladium. And here he is in this, big arboretum, this big stadium, 
and they wanna make a mockery of who he used to be, the life he used to have and how he's now a prisoner that's blinded and broken. And he gets into the arena and he puts his hand on the pillar and he remembers that those two pillars are what hold up the entire arena. And he knows that all the Philistine lords, all the Philistine armies, everyone is there to mock him and make fun of him. And even though he can't see, he feels those two pillars. And he feels that his hair is growing back. And he acknowledges where he's been and what he's done and the red flags that he's overlooked. But he says, God, I wanna redeem. You see, you called me even before my mother's womb to defeat the Philistine armies. And I might not have gone about things the way that you had planned, but God, I have this opportunity to actually fulfill the call. And God, if you would restore my strength, God, not for me, but so I can do what you've asked me to do. God, would you help me just take these pillars down right now? And he prays and he pushes those pillars down and the entire arena comes down and slaughters the entire Philistine army. Would you stand on your feet with me? Samson still fulfilled the prophecy over his life, even though there were some detours and some bumps in the road. I love that even though he may have made a mess out of things, he didn't give up. Can you close your eyes and bow your head today, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online today? Maybe you are the same way. Maybe you've made a mess of things. There were things you ignored that maybe you shouldn't have ignored. Maybe you stopped talking to God. Maybe you've been distant. Maybe you've been separated. But you know that hair grows back. You know that just because you fell doesn't mean he can't pick you back up again. And just like Samson, it's one prayer away. I wanna ask you today, if you wanna get in on that prayer today, would you just lift your hand up right where you are? Just lift your hand up and say, that's me. That's me. Thank you to all the hands. And those of you who are watching online, you can click a button. There's a hand right there. Or you can comment underneath in the comments and somebody will be there to pray with you. I don't want this opportunity to get by any of us. If we could just close our eyes and bow our heads and all of us say this together, bold and strong. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I know that my strength comes from you. God, I pray. Restore my strength as I restore my relationship with you. I know I've fallen short and I've asked forgiveness today. Renew me, God. Let me have a fresh start, a new beginning, a do-over right now in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a huge shout, a huge praise. Amen.